Hey there, welcome to our AP Legal Zone podcast brought to you by AP Lawyers. We are your top fix for all weekly law updates, including family, immigration, wills, and estates law. Just a friendly reminder we are not your lawyers, and everything contained in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and not to be construed as legal advice. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay connected with any updates and get notified about our new episodes. Hello, I'm Angela Princewell. And I'm Shereen Happy. And today's topic is actually a question that was brought to us from a client. And they wanted to know, are they responsible to pay child support? Or how do you deal with child support when one party is starting a business? Yes, that's something that I have had happen a few times. I'm sure you're no yes. stranger to it as well, Shereen. <laughs> Um, but by re- just to give some context, so it's not it's not so much the business part or the child support obligation that's in dispute. It's just really how things play, you know, could play out. So, for a lot of people, starting a business means taking a pay cut. So, if you're, you know, if you're in a tech company and you're in in management, for example, you're probably earning a lot of money. You might be earning, you know, top six figure income. And you have this fantastic, you know, tech idea. You want to have this startup and all of that. And of course, it involves a lot of grunt grunt work. You probably have no seed funding, nothing like that. And so you might be taking a pay cut. You might have to live on your savings. For some people, there's absolutely it's they're going from they could be going from a four five hundred thousand dollar income to zero dollars um, in income. Some are a little bit more fortunate. They might see themselves getting I don't know a hundred thousand dollars in the year. Regardless of what the situation is, there is either no income or a pay cut. Or even worse, operating at a loss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just when I thought it couldn't be worse. Okay, so you see how that might be a problem for the recipient of, of child support. And we know that, I mean, for in this scenario, we're not talking about even someone. We're going to eliminate malice because we could go on and on if we talk about people that are doing it for, you know, to reduce their income intentionally and whatnot. But even taking that aside, like there's some people that genuinely want to start a business. And I know you were talking to me earlier about someone that wanted more control and that's why they wanted to do, you know, to start their own business. So, um, yeah, if you're starting your business because you want more control um, or... Even if it's established on a goodwill basis, like your intentions are good, you know, and hopefully it is future profitable mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't change that there is an obligation that child support needs to be paid and there's definitely going to be considerations regarding h- how do you deal with that loss of income so obviously the recipient's lawyer the first thing on their mind is going to be you're intentionally underemployed yeah that's that's um, thought number one and so they're going to be looking at getting your income imputed to the same level as before you you took this pay cut and it's it it seems straightforward enough to us as lawyers because it's like well this is what it is but I know for a lot of people it's a very emotional decision because you know some people have I've heard comments like well I'm turning 50 I want to do my own thing I don't want to be you know I don't want to die having you know worked for someone all my life And And, and they see the perspective too where like you know we hope that that's where they end up right but that they are going to make a significant more money than they are now yes. which you know is the goal i think, I I think that, that that i find even an easier 
argument to make where it's the potential for increased income. I think the ones I, I struggle a little bit more in, in positioning our client's argument is where it's more that sentiment of I have to be an entrepreneur. I mean, first off, like I, I don't think everybody has to be an entrepreneur. I think it's, you know, it's fantastic. But, you know, some people have strong feelings about those things. Like I need to start my own. I can I do it better. I can't work for some. I can't work I for can't some. Live like, yeah. Exactly. So it's your, that's how you feel. Me personally, I don't necessarily feel that way. And the recipient may not feel that way. So when I have a client that, and I, but I, I understand that it's the deepest desire of my client as well. For them, it's really tight. It's their identity. They want to make sure that they end their working lives having owned their own business. But how do I deal with, with that and the fact that you have no income to, to pay child support? So when the other side is saying, well, you're intentionally underemployed, if you were making, and I'm just throwing numbers all over the place, but let's say you were making $200,000 and now you know you're starting your business just because you want to be your own boss and you're going to have a lot of freedom you're going to be able to you know you can finally not have to work we can whatever your situation is but you're going to have that pride of being a business owner but now you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars i that's a that's i mean <laughs> yeah it's a difficult I, I we can just tell you straight up it's a difficult one it is. Um, in terms of being the recipient on the recipient end, like they're not going to expect obligations to change. Regardless yes. of your own personal endeavors changing, mm -hmm. it's not going to change, per se, their perspective on what they believe they're entitled to. Mm -hmm. There's different mechanisms that we use to also determine whether, or the code also considers if a person is, in fact, intentionally underemployed. I mean, for example, it, we've had scenarios where, you know, people are starting businesses where they don't have the requisite expertise to be starting. So that's also not helpful to figuring out, okay, is this something that's viable? Because we also understand, like, it goes hand in hand with, you know, maybe trying to go to school and better yourself. That maybe with a business, you could, you know, hopefully earn more income and be in a better financial position. And I love those ones. Those arguments are actually easier for me to make. <laughs> so if you have, well, not the, not without experience, it, the lack of experience, depending on what industry experience. it, 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 has it, to, it yes, is, yes, but right? it has to be an industry that you have some knowledge. Yes. Yeah, right? So like, if, mm -hmm, if you're, if you're, um, say a a um i don't know even know what industry i, I could pick honestly i'm blank but, but let's, let's say you have no technological um you know idea you're not in it and then you one day decide that you want to you know fund an it startup like you know <laughs> what i mean like it doesn't really exactly and there's no exactly and but, but you see if let's say you have no it knowledge but you have a background in sales in IT, for example, you've been selling technology products and now you have this great idea and you're going to hire technical people to do all the work and then you're going to sell it. I can make the, the argument that, okay, this is short term pain for long term gain and everything with family law always depends on the facts, right? Yeah. So if we have, so let's say a scenario where we have a six year old child and mom's studying mom's the support payor here mom's studying um a business and you know she has some experience that would be very valuable in the success of that business well we can position it as well she could maybe she's losing money for the next couple of years until the business picks up but look how long she's going to be um you know paying child support for if she makes if, if this short term pain is allowed is allowed on the you know this exception is made for this short term period 
she might even be able to fund the child's um, post-secondary education fully or more significantly. And so, that's a factor because, again, yes. child supports the right of the child. So in determining the child, I imagine that that's a factor as well. Mm-hmm. You know, will it be something that's benefits the child in the long run? Obviously, each party has an obligation or the support payer in this situation has an obligation to be self-sufficient and make sure that he's maximizing that efficiency. Um, in terms of a business... It's... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would, I would look at it from the perspective of self-sufficiency, more like a no an obligation to support the child, um, you know, support the child to the best of their ability. But then when you have a situation of someone earning, you know, half of the amount they've earned just because they've started a business, you know, they're going to obviously look at intentional underemployment and other factors, which honestly, if it comes down to a business perspective, of course, it depends on the facts, but there's ways in which I wouldn't say it's okay, but it makes sense from a both from a court's perspective if you did start a business, you know, if all of those things align and, you know, sometimes you won't know, right? Time will tell. Yes, but let's say your time hasn't told yet. So you're on in year one. You need to be able to position your arguments in a way that, the you know, it makes sense to whoever the decision maker is to say, okay, you're in, you because you are intentionally underemployed but you know there's no denying that but it's just is it appropriate for income to be imputed to you under the circumstances and Mm -hmm. if you're saying well it shouldn't be because i i have the potential to double or triple my income a year or two down the road and i have the requisite skills to do this then that's fine And, and i think it could even be helpful in a scenario where you're paying some child support, but maybe not to the yes, just level. Yes, maybe negotiating the amount, lowering it, making it yes. something that's viable for both the recipient and, of course, the person who's paying so that they can, you know, leave a little bit of cash flow. It depends, right? Like, mm-hmm. if they're living off life savings, like, I imagine the child support ongoing is going to be a concern while also trying to make a business thrive. Yes. So, I mean... And I know for some people it looks like, well, it's unfair. Is it because I have, I, you know, I have a child and I can't live up to my dreams or my full potential? And it may seem that way, but if you think of it, it's not unusual for even people that are together. I've met parents that would say things like, I would have pursued this if I have a new, even something as simple as I could have done my MBA if I didn't I have kids. I have to pay child support or oh, not even child. I'm even talking exactly. in the context of people that are still together, actually. Haven't you heard people say, mm-hmm. you know, I... I would have gone to Broadway if I didn't get pregnant and have mm-hmm. this child. Like children, when you have children, you make decisions differently. And sacrifices. Yes. So whether the family is still together in the sense of both um, parents or when, but even more when you're separated because now the you don't even have. The really flows. Yes, flows out of that. But you know something else people throw to me as well is what in a, in a shared um, scenario Well, we're, we're 50-50 and so I... I don't have to pay her support. So let me set the stage for that better. If you're, so we're talking about where in a shared scenario, the payor is only paying the set of amount. And so now their argument is, well, I shouldn't have to just, I shouldn't have to pay anything anymore. It's just shared. We can both take care of the child, but it might seem reasonable on the face of it. But remember that the other, the recipient was relying on that set of amount to provide for the child. And as I say that, I can already hear some people saying, well, 
she doesn't even use the child support for the child and blah 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 but that's i mean that's a, a completely different topic actually i think we may have done that topic before but um sticking to our 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 focus for today it, which is you know do you have to still pay child support the yes the obligation exists regardless of what you choose to do shirin mentioned even school you be, um you know you touched on that like what if you went to school or whatever that's your obligation still exists um business whatever doesn't go away i you just have to find a way around it i think for us the main thing would be working to make sure that income doesn't get imputed to you because the other side sort of has a good argument yeah or then, just sort of has a be i shouldn't say good argument a basis for exactly and then just maybe figuring out different ways to explore that topic so if that is the situation you're you know going to be in of course like usually business not just something you do on a whim i imagine mm-hmm. yeah. um so there's usually some preparation and then during that period of thinking like it would be nice to canvas with the other side maybe negotiating the amount lower figuring out what you can make happen and it may be just setting it to a review and like maybe well child sports for people every year but depending on maybe the terms of your agreement maybe just having some sort of temporary hold on maybe an existing amount that you pay so that you guys can revisit it mm-hmm. and see and you know just I mean that's it that's a very good um that's a very good approach like there's people you could even do maybe can you suggest um putting a a stop to support for for a period of time and just allowing maybe if it's six months or whatever and then as arrears begin to accrue after that and then you can pay off the arrears when the business picks up so yeah. i like i like the approach you're proposing there shiri you're you're proposing more of having a conversation with the other party yeah, creative solutions I yes yes yeah and like maybe it would be okay maybe you guys do rsp contra or esp contributions maybe you guys come to an arrangement okay maybe i can't pay child support or i'll pay a reduced amount and then I'll do a lump sum in the RESP when we hope that, that's, you know, uh, there's just different that's, that's ways. Hopefully one. you get into a position where you are dealing with someone a little more open and flexible. Yes, yeah. um, you don't, <laughs> you, you, you may not have the choice of who the support or of, of how the support recipient will, will behave under these circumstances. So um, we yeah. can only hope that you're dealing with someone that's, also looking for creative solutions and we're willing to work amicably obviously if that's not the case and this is something that has to be dealt with with a judge then you know would be looking at making arguments against income being imputed to you um and it would all be based on the facts of your specific case and and there's as we talked earlier there's different ways that that can be positioned so that's it for today um it's been a pleasure speaking with you and until next time it's bye for now bye Thanks for listening and joining us in the AP Legal Zone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find more episodes by searching AP Legal Zone on anywhere you watch podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast today so you can stay connected with any updates and get notified about any new episodes. Mm-hmm.